How about this little surprise? Frazier Friday FT Live before the Division Series begin this weekend. Braun, Frazier, Kratz all in the same place. Kratz rocking the foul territory shirt, world softest shirt, seen across major league clubhouses. Man, how'd you get one? You don't know about this. Hmm. I got I got it off of uh, foulterritory.com. Foulterritoryshop.com. That's right. Good That's job. Softest nice. shirt in the game. It yep. is soft. It it's is like soft. I, when I tell people how soft it is, I'm like, I'm like, this is like Todd Frazier soft. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I don't want like, that. I don't want to be soft like that. Yeah. What? I got a little hard soft. edges. It is nope. <laughs> soft. No. There's a sensitive side to this shirt. Hey, <laughs> welcome back, dude. Thank Great you. work. Good to be back. I how feel was like the I've series? Been it was. It was interesting. Quick, quick, and interesting, man. Quiet. Quiet. Of course. Quiet. But, uh, hey, give us the seat, dude. You were. Yeah, a lot of crowd grounds. noise. Yeah, I mean, tell me listen, what happened when you think about a playoff game. You really think about, you know, loudness. I mean, I could count the number on my hand how loud it really was. You know, they got up for a couple of things. They didn't hit. I mean, listen, there wasn't much for the crowd to get involved in, but. When there was, it was, you know, usually you hear that deafening. It's like deafening, but it's nothing. 19,000 first game, 20,000 the second game. I mean, you look out there and there's plenty of seats and you're like, man, you just feel bad. You, you feel bad. You know, I don't know who I feel bad for. I don't know if it's the team, the fans or whomever or the stadium. I, I don't the know. The city too, yeah. because clearly there are humans that yeah. live in that area. But, they just don't go to the games. But also a 308 start doesn't help. Okay, sure. I mean, let, let me put that in fairness. Hey, 308. Minneapolis have. on line one. Yeah, um, no, understandable. We still have earthquake warnings from how loud that stadium was but, in, in yeah, Minnesota. When, when I left there both games, like, there wasn't a fan in front of me, which is, you know, you, you can, <laughs> no, and it's kind of crazy to think. They were getting their early bird meal. It, yeah, it was, it was nuts. Like, I'm leaving. Usually think, like, you're jam-packed, like, trying to get to your car. Crickets, man. It, it was, uh, was kind of, like, eerie a little bit, but. Texas came to play, and um, their pitching looked really good. So we'll see what they do in ball. It's going to be a different story when they get to Baltimore because it's going to be like Philly. Haven't been there in a while. This crowd's going to be nuts. Yeah, and we have Ken Rosenthal joining us in this first hour, and he's on that series. And Ken's Mr. Baltimore, too. Oh, he, is. God, he is. He's a junior. Junior. Yeah, well, we actually I wonder if we're allowed to call him that. junior. You can definitely call junior. him whatever you want. Yeah, he's he's junior. He'll go with the junior. flow. Hey, junior. Yeah. You know what else we're going to ask Ken about, but we'll talk about it for a few minutes first. The Phantom IL. Let's charge the damn mound because we'll start with news and then we'll shift back to previewing all the playoff matchups. Billy Epler is no longer part of the front office of the New York Mets, and we'll show you some of the tweets that rolled through over the past 24 hours. Steve Gelbs called it a shocking move that the Mets announced that he has resigned not resigned resigned it's a tough big, word it's a big word in our world there's andy martino really yeah. epler's fast resignation lands as a major surprise steve cohen and epler had previously expected epler to be part of this leadership team at least for the foreseeable future you know also just quick side note terry francona resigned i remember i saw that on the bottom line and i was like okay there's no dash resigned because i was like he's he's done with them yes he is done with them anyway um to give a little more context it comes out five seconds later that there is an mlb investigation on the uh injured list usage from the new york mets in the past year i cannot wait to see what the allegations are because if it has anything to do with just a basic phantom il welcome to major league baseball wow <laughs> And that's, they won't be the first one. Here. I got a feeling 
if it does have phantom like people it's going to be not now people are going to be like all right we can't do this anymore it's, it's been going and, on forever yeah yeah i oh you Hello? got a call nope. yeah oh yes 2000 2010 you're calling oh what was what was happening in 2010 phantom il Oh yeah, MLB is 2023. They're just finding out about it. Yeah. <laughs> what did that they watch? The Phantom, Krasinski's video? That was the Phantom DL. Oh, that was the Phantom yeah. DL. That's then. true. That's yes. true. It's changed. Yes. Did you see? So AJ in like April or May brought up how the Braves called him to go on the Phantom IL or DL, whatever mm-hmm. it was. What was it? 2016 or something oh, like that. Yeah. Yep. And he was like, "Cool, I'm down, but we have to call it anal fissures." And they said, "Did you hear about this?" No. Yeah. And awful. they said no. So he still went on and they called it something basic. Like a hamstring or that something. Because yeah, so they originally, they usually want to go to you and say, oh, you have a sore back. When you're getting up there in the end of your career, a sore back looks worse. Like if you still want to play, you can't be like sore back or barking elbow. Like, wow. boop, check him off the list. He's done. So we're going to get more info on this story. But I guess that's my first question for you guys is, so, all right. You know, I love to do this. It's Todd Father. It's end of the career. Todd Father, we want you to go on the Phantom IL for a couple weeks, dude. Can you do it for us? We'll just call it a sore back. No big deal. But let's say you're like, I want I want to go one more year or something like that. I don't yeah. want a team thinking I got no, a sore back. Not at so, all. All right. So, hey, Todd Father, you good? A little Phantom IL action. What do you think? Hold on. I got Uncle Louie on the Louie, I'll call you back. <laughs> hey, um, what's going on? Yeah, man, I'm definitely not doing that. I just talked to my Uncle Louie, and we're going to have a big problem if I got to go back there. No, but serious note, I'm not going on no Phantom DL, man. I got I got to get mine. I, I got goals. Are, wait, wait, wait. I got goals to make. You are getting yours. <clears throat> no. You get I'm full told, salary. Nothing I'm changes. not talking about full salary. I got some goals I want to meet. If I have 199 tell holes, him. I want to get the two. Tell him he's hitting 190 right now, so we either release him or fan him. Okay, so you're hitting 190, and uh, we also have this thing called waivers, and I don't know if anyone's going to grab you there, so then you would just be out of the game. What do you think? Can, can you, you can't hear me? No, I'm just <laughs> no listen. I, I, all right, I'll be on the Phantom DL. Okay, right, perfect. Right, you got it. Great. But, okay. We'll talk later about that. Awesome. Thanks. <clears throat> this is Billy Epler, by the way. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you guys yeah. know this is a great part of this show is just like let's be real it's something that exists teams mess with it all the time social media was popping off last night they were like uh hello have you been paying to the dodgers and all these other teams that have dudes that go down plus you also have guys that get sent down to the minors to kind of rest them up like you know like we had that with yuri perez we had that with a couple dudes on the orioles this year who's the starter that went down i'm forgetting good starter Um, grayson rodriguez well, he went down. But he went down for real, things. for real. Yeah. Another starter. It's okay. It'll come to me. Don't worry. That went down. Anyway, I got, I got two things on this. I want to know who leaked it. Was, was Buck, just, was, he just going out, was he just going out the door? He's like, I'll take this. I'll take this and tell everybody that. Or was it Cohen? Did Cohen leak it because he's pissed he didn't hang around? Yeah, I don't know. You know, who, who leaked this? investigation and the second Why would thing Cohen leak it? and by the way it's tyler wells remember tyler wells got sent down oh, for a little right. bit yeah yeah now these guys are getting past now he's innings. transitioned to the bullpen that's how they've kept him out of the mm-hmm. he closed the the clincher but anyway why would Cohen leak it why would Cohen? because he's pissed he didn't stay around who didn't stay around epler no 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 i think he's resigning because of the investigation no 
Uh, that's not how I read it. They thought that he was going to be a part of this thing. It sounded so like I. they would have had the conversations already. And then three days later, he's resigning. And then they, then your owner tells on you, no. And also, most of the owners don't like Uncle Steve because he makes them seem cheap. I don't think that's up his okay. alley. But my thing is, all of this, we're not going to hear anything about out about this. This is MLB on MLB crime. They're going to be like, guys, we got to clean this up. Just sweep it under the Farhan Zaidi. I think Stripling talked about it earlier. He came out and said he was kind of – he came out in the public and said it. I was there. So let's, let's say – okay, so if I was at the Giants and I got put on the Phantom IL, now whoever's making that decision, you look back and you go, okay, well, where was that GM before? Oh, he was in L.A. Or, oh, he was in – he was in, with the Rays. Oh, well, he must have – he didn't just come up with it on his own. Like mm. when A.J. was with the Braves, John Coppolella, people can just honestly keep making him the scapegoat. He's just the one that got caught for some things that other GMs were doing. So you can't sit there. And so I, I have a hard time believing that an MLB on MLB crime type of investigation is going to – we're going to find anything out. You're like, oh, this was just kind of a one-off. Billy Epler was doing this on his own. He's he wants a job in the game still. He's not going to come out and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> I'm just doing this on my own. No chance. He's not going to. He's. I don't think he's going to do that. Just like I don't think John Schneider's going to throw his front office under the bus for making him pull Jose out of the game that he pulled him out. Wow. The one other thing I'll say is there's so much turnover with the Mets. To, to me, in terms of how this team operates going forward, I actually don't think it's a huge deal. Like, sure, it helps a little continuity in the front office if there's some people there because Stearns is coming in, David Stearns, to take over. But, I mean, David Stearns' experience, he, he's been able to run a front office for a while. Like, he'll be fine. I'm not concerned there. I think it's just eventually, and hopefully this <laughs> now reaches that point for them in the front office, they need some stability. It's been so many faces for so long. And that includes in the past five years, now two owners, right? This is the second owner who should be there for a long time. Four general managers, four managers in five years, okay? Now, a couple of them had some shit going on behind the scenes, so that was quick. <laughs> After Brody was running the show there, Zach Scott and Jared Porter had all the weird shit going on. Um, did not deserve that job. Uh, so anyway... Now you have some stability here, but there's still like some drama playing out at the finish line of what the Mets hope can now be like, just like a consistent known dude in the front office who knows how to kind of run this thing well. And they hope that he's Andrew Friedman, even if that's way too much pressure. Like that's where the status bar is set for him. Is it going to be? I mean, is, I mean, I, is he going to be Andrew Friedman? Is it going to be He's going to have all the resources of Andrew Friedman. But is it going to be consistency? That, that's the biggest thing. You just said the consistent, they haven't had consistency. What kind, of, what kind of contract does Stearns have? The Cohen say, hey, you got to turn this thing around in four years? I don't know when, what the contract number is, but we can find out. Because when you turn things around super quick, you have to make moves to deplete your minor league system. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You can't build a minor league system in four years. You can build a championship baseball team in four years true so all of those things okay these plans yes we had this plan and this plan they're fine in milwaukee they're fine in tampa if tampa doesn't make the playoffs this year for some reason they'd be like people would be like just a tough tough market tough brewers they don't make it people weren't even picking them to make it so it's a feel-good story you know tough market tough market you don't make it in new york 
in April if you're not in first place, mm. this guy's a bum. Well, Give me a ball. <laughs> that's the thing in New York is even more than winning, drama takes over oh, a lot of the time. Okay, so we'll get more insight from Ken on this. And of <clears> course, <throat> there'll be more to this story. Let's jump into the postseason. So hello, Phillies Braves. It's oh, coming. And we covered a little bit the other day. Todd Father, your initial thoughts. I mean, this is what we had been anticipating. And it's not even in the CS. It's in the DS uh-huh. because, you know, you don't reseed. So you just have the bracket mm-hmm. lining up the two heavyweights. And we'll show some tweets here with some quotes. Alec Bohm on facing the Atlanta Braves. Quote, I mean, it's a war, man. It's a bunch of really good players on the field just battling. They don't give anything away, and they play clean baseball. They've got a good team, (coughs) and we've got the same. And then a couple other things. So Matt Gelb talking about how the Phillies were you know, figuring out what game one looks like because then you have Wheeler and Nola pitch. Uh, lining up for games two and game three. And that's where you do get your disadvantage to having to play in a wild card round just now. Like that, that does make a difference. We'll see. Right. But that does make a difference. Maybe. Maybe. Rangers, Rangers been the best out of three of them against the Braves. Rangers is the best. He has a one ERA. He has a strikeout, one strikeout per nine against the Braves. Nola and... Nolan Wheeler are good, mm-hmm. but not a one ERA. Wow. Phenomenal. So people, it's one of those things he, that people forget about him, man. Rangers, Rangers, he's a been, guy. He's been doing it. He's been doing it. He's he's come out of the bullpen. Now some of those appearances were out of the bullpen. He had two stinkers in twenty twenty two against the Braves, but outside of that, it has been awesome. Has he been announced as of this second? No. Why? Just gamesmanship. Why wouldn't he? Start? I haven't heard any any other reason why he wouldn't start, other than they could go with a. Who else? The they could go with Sanchez. No, Christopher Sanchez. Right. Yep. Has done really well, and so they're trying to decide. The talks I heard, not nothing from insider info. The talks I heard was they're talking about Christopher Sanchez hasn't done as well out of the pen, so they thought about doing a tandem, you know, a a piggyback kind of thing, and bringing. Ranger out of the pen because he's had he's had experience and success coming out of the pen. So they haven't said who it's going to be. But Sanchez is, is also good. It's not a – I got to look up what he's done against the Braves this year. I haven't looked that up, but there's a chance it's him. Mm. Can I make an argument that it should be Ranger on the road? Go ahead. Guy who's been there mm-hmm. before, you know what I'm saying? I like it. And has the good numbers and don't get too cute early on. Uh, I wouldn't say it's too cute. I would say it's how do you – it's the idea of how many innings do you need to get? How many innings do you need to get out of those two guys? Because those are your two guys. If if Ranger goes five and Sanchez is only going to give you – he's notoriously been taken out this year at like a 60 to 70 pitch range just because they felt like when he's gone 100, he's gotten rocked. But he's been like – he's had a couple games where he's gone 70 pitches, no hit. You take him out and it's like uh, – uh-huh. so you're looking – right. So you're looking, how do you get the most innings out of those two guys? Somebody talked about Taiwan Walker coming in between those guys. Not saying they're throwing this game away by putting those guys in, but who are the two best guys to put in there? And if you're going to go with Sanchez and – Sanchez and Ranger – I think there's there's a thought, there's a talk about what you know who needs to start that. Okay. Yeah. 
What do you think on the Brave side, dude? Do you think this team's coming in like, yo, we just dominated people in the regular season. We're going to be in good shape. This lineup's insane. Our guys also have been squashing all week the long layoff, the rest, you know, because you're sitting for a while waiting for these games to start. The Phillies now just had a couple days off too, so it's not like, you know, they're playing back-to-back days and they're in their hitting flow. But what do you think for this series? I think they saw – how the Phillies are playing, and they're not a wild card team for sure. They know these boys can bang, they can play, they can pitch, and they are um, they're getting after it. They know if they got to go to Philly down 0-2 or 1-1, they got they got to win these first two games. And I've been saying this ever since that last both. game. I think they got to win both these games. In my opinion, I'm not saying they they can't win in Philadelphia, but it's freaking raucous over there, dude. If they give up one run, it's like five nothing. It's it's really insane. They, they're willing this team to win. So, for me, if Philly could find a way to get one win in Atlanta, I'm, I think they win the next three. Okay, so help me get through the BS talk because, like, I've covered postseasons for years, and I'm in the clubhouse, and you're talking to the guys, especially when you're in the scrum and everybody's with you. They're just, like, in BS mode, right? So, <clears> let's <throat> say it's 1-1 or they're down 2-0 and they're in Philadelphia and it's, like, um, day before the game, like, travel day or whatever, and we're getting yeah. some interviews and all the Braves are going to be, like, all good you know it's just a regular game still play it at a ballpark so the fan stuff doesn't really you know affect us or anything is that bullshit i mean i i you would play it like, i would if say you were so, there you'd no, be like it, it's gonna what? affect it's gonna affect the strongest mm-hmm. i mean honestly it's listen um i used to love playing in front of crowds like that but still at the end of the day you feel it whether you think you're 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 mr gung-ho you're the best player in the world you feel that static energy that that liveliness of the crowd you know, one strike comes. You're like, oh, shit, let's not get the two. Oh, now we're in a one-two count. Here we go. Oh, like you feel it. And, like, you feel like the umpire is going to call it a strike because he's getting into the game. You feel like, you know, if I check swing, you know, there's there's all these variables that come into play. Listen, it's playoff baseball, dude. This is going to be so much fun. I mean, Atlanta's going to be raucous too, but just I, – I don't know. People understand, like, up here in Philadelphia, the crowd, it's just absolute – it's def- deafening, to be honest with you, when you're playing in that field. Whether you're home or away, you feel every second of it. And the question you said, you're like, oh, I was in the scrum. I was. I think in that moment, the day before, the off day, you're like, eh, you know, because that's how you have yeah. to prepare. You can't sit there the day before no. and go, oh, my gosh, this is going to be us. I wonder how loud it's going to be. Mm-hmm. This is No, you're, you're preparing. So I think it's an honest answer. Yeah. I think if you mic'd them up during the game and you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. this is ruckus. I would love to see some dudes with the whoops on. I think like a Zach Wheeler, the whoop band thing where yeah. they check your, mm-hmm. you can wear it when you're playing and you check your heart rate. And I think a guy like Zach Wheeler, I bet his heart rate goes down when he's pitching. Wow. Yeah, that guy, he doesn't, he doesn't I bet change a guy, one bit. He I bet a guy like, he's, no. he's right here, dude. It's I bet a guy like Garrett Stubbs sitting on the bench, his heart rate's going to be going through the roof. And that's, where the experience and everything comes into it. You hear that. Mm-hmm. You hear that. The best players harness that, and they take that, and then they become superpowers. Mm-hmm. Dudes are hitting balls where they don't hit balls normally. They're throwing balls 99 when they're normally 96, 97. How about the dude stop, man? Holy cow. The grand slam, like, easy money. That was left-on-left matchup too, bro. That was <laughs> – 
Dude, the story is incredible oh, too. Story, there's going to be more stories. But the story is: so last year he got destroyed by fastballs, especially fastballs up. Mm-hmm. You know, rookie, right? Last year, rookie yep. playing in the yep. bigs, playing in the postseason. They figure out your flaws and they just attack the hell out of it. And yeah. you're facing the best pitching. And he watched all of those games back intently, took oh. notes, and obviously, I mean, he could you talk to, to one Philly official, yeah. right? You have to do it and work on it and improve it. And Phillies are telling him, "Hey, dude, like this is what you got to work on." And then this year, crushed fastballs. And then it, that's like the cool shit in baseball where it's like, oh, you can fix that flaw Easily. potentially quickly. You can. That's the, that's yeah. the easiest probably one to if, fix. Right? If you care you about do, it. Yeah. I mean, and, and his and his heat map is crazy. I just went over the whole scatter report yeah. earlier. <clears throat> and his heat map is crazy how he's still hitting. But going into that versus lefties, he still didn't hit a single homer off of a fastball from a lefty. All his homers were sliders. He has better numbers. He was hitting like 300, but very little slug. What does he do? Bases loaded. First pitch. I mean, just nail in the coffin and that place. Like, I'm getting chills thinking yeah. about. Like, I love watching that stuff when yeah. it's like you watch the fans. Yeah. When the fans realize I'm that the ball it. is going out. Yeah, home plate dudes are raising their hands and they're super juiced. Yeah. But when it gets out and then, like, people are not – there's no longer, like – it's just a different kind of celebration. It's, real. it's, it's not real. choreographed. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's and, not choreographed. And it's the just... last thing I'll finish on that before we got to go. Fastballs are easy practice. Like, you could crank the machine up to 100 miles an hour. Eventually, you're going to get that fa- – you're going to hit it. And it's about well, – you, it, not, you can You can this see – This isn't for everyone listening you can and see, watching. You can you're see, not. Hey, listen, if they say, man, you got to work on a curveball, you're getting 80% curveballs, you can hit – 500 curveballs in the cage. Uh, it's still different in the game. I can't. I yeah, can't hit the curveball, uh, uh, coach. But a fastball is is a slighter. It's a slight easier adjustment to. It's a shorter. It's a shorter swing, yeah. and you have to you have to physically tell your eye yeah. that you need to be able to get to that four seam fastball. And he's done an incredible job of it. Let's Man. go. Let's go get some. I'm, I'm like juiced. I'm right juiced. Yeah, I saw your hack right, attack. Oh, we'll just watch let's you guys go. take swings. Our guy Ken Rosenthal, who will be covering this freaking awesome Orioles Rangers series. First off, Ken, how you doing? And what's the vibes like out there? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm at Camden Yards right now, and the vibe is quiet. It's quiet before the storm. <laughs> but at the same time, it's pretty palpable the excitement in the city and the excitement around the Orioles, the excitement that their players themselves are feeling. And it's kind of cool to see a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since 2016, like the Rangers, and here they are. I love it. So give us a little more on the matchup. Like, what? who have you spoken to? What kind of notes have you taken leading up to this one? I mean, basically give us all of the sideline reports you have planned for <laughs> the series that we'll see on Fox. Well, that's not going to happen, Scott. <laughs> and you know that. But yes. essentially, the biggest question I have is the Orioles and how they will react to their first postseason. They are such a young team. And that's one of the interesting things here. Marcus Semien is a guy who's been around. Corey Seeker is a guy who's been around. They've got playoff experience on that team, though they have several young players as well. Where the Orioles are this team where the highest paid player is Kyle Gibson, $10 million. And the Rangers have seven guys making more than $10 million. Seager at 35 and Semyon up there as well. So there's a difference in that respect. But the Orioles all season long have shown this kind of unique resilience. And it's that statistic, 91 straight series without getting swept. That goes back to last year. It's not losing more than four straight games. And Brandon Hyde, in his news conference just now, mentioned that when they had that big series against Tampa Bay right here at Camden Yards, 
Four games, they lost the first two. Tampa Bay was chasing them at the time. And then the Orioles won the next two. And that's the team that they've been really all year. I would expect it's going to be the team that we see in this series. But, again, there's that question when a team has not been at the stage of the season. So let me go on the flip side here. I want to talk about the Rangers. So I was there the other day watching them play. They looked very good. Their pitching staff, it seemed like all they needed was two pitchers to come in. Do you see, since since they talked about early in the year, their bullpen hasn't been the best. Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Avaldi, they looked absolutely unbelievable. Do you, do you see them doing that more? Do you see the pitching carrying them as well? They didn't play in front of a raucous crowd either, so it's going to be a different story. What do you see the outcome of those, the Texas Rangers? I can't figure out the Rangers, Todd, to be perfectly honest. Because when I saw them in Seattle the final weekend, they lost three or four. They didn't look all that great. And then they had to fly across country to Tampa Bay, right? We thought, ah, they might not survive this. And then they came out and played like they played earlier in the season, got tremendous pitching, including in the bullpen where they've struggled. They had a good offensive series against the great pitching staff in Tampa Bay. They had more extra base hits, 11, than any other team in the wild card round. They hit some home runs, hit a lot of doubles, and that's who they are. They're an offensive team. So it's going to be interesting to see whether Bradish and Rodriguez, the Orioles' first two starters, who had great second halves both, will be able to hold them down. And that, to me, is a key. Now, yes, it's also a key that their bullpen, which was better against Tampa Bay, continues at that level. And Jose Leclerc is a guy to watch. He has finally kind of gotten back to himself. He's been a key for them down the stretch. He will continue to be a key for them. Chapman is Chapman. We've seen him up. We've seen him down, especially at this time of year. But I expect they will pitch better. It's just going to be a really interesting series from all of these standpoints, Todd, because I can't really get a feel for who I think is going to win. We'll see how it plays out. If you don't know who's going to win, who is irreplaceable in both teams? Who is the guy? And I'll, and I'll give you a hint. Catching is an important position. So go <laughs> ahead. Give your, give, give your answer. Well, the Orioles tra- franchise turned around when Adley Rushman was promoted last night. And would they have gotten there otherwise? Maybe. But we can trace, really, their improvement to that day. The record since then is much better than it was before. So he is irreplaceable for them. Gunnar Henderson is a great player, but not in terms of value what Rushman is to that team. The Rangers, it's funny because we've seen them lose Jonah Heim, their catcher. We've seen them lose Corey Seager twice. We've seen them lose Jacob DeGrom. And yet they have figured out ways to keep going. So I don't know that there is an irreplaceable player on that team. The one constant is Semyon. He has played a lot of games in recent years. He is a very durable guy, a very consistent, steady player, and a good player. So I don't know that I can name one on the Rangers because they've survived injuries to Young, to Heim, to Seeger, to, to Grom, all of these different players, and they've continued playing at a high level. It is incredible that you look at this team and say, yeah, DeGrom essentially didn't pitch for them this year. He's been on the aisle the whole year, and then when they pick up Scherzer now, he's been hurt for a bit. My question to you is going to take us in a different direction, but it's related to what I just said. 
is there now an IL and then a phantom IL that we should officially designate since our guys have been talking about it on the show all year. One of those clips actually went viral with AJ requesting an anal fissure IL stint that was denied by the Braves. But what is your take on the Billy Epler investigation and resignation from the Mets after it seemed like he was going to be there at least in the short term? My take is I want to hear more because I'm not buying that this is simply about IL placements. David Stearns came in. The plan was for Billy Epler to remain. That was Cohen's plan. It was Epler's plan. It was Stearns' plan. Stearns spoke highly of him just a few days ago at his news conference. I don't know what happened in the interim, and maybe this investigation that baseball is conducting is more serious than at least so far has been reported. But if we were going to fire general managers for phony IL placements, there might be 30 openings right now because this does happen. It's not that unusual where you see borderline IL placements. Now, you have to have a doctor's certification and all of that. But as a manager of a team told me yesterday, you can go and look at daily medical reports for any team on any day and probably put 30 guys on the IL because everybody's always got something. So I, again, want to hear more here, want to find out more because it just seems to me we're not getting the entire story. Has there ever been an investigation where it's MLB on MLB crime? Like, are the are the owners actually going to investigate themselves in this situation, essentially? Because it's not a player thing that they're investigating. Yeah. That, I, Eric, I can't think off the top of my head yeah. anything like that in particular, but I'm sure this kind of thing has happened. It's happened before, where teams have gotten caught doing things. I'll give you a couple of examples. San Diego with the international stuff. Atlanta with the international stuff. Boston with the international stuff. So yes, MLB on MLB crime does happen. And when something untoward happens, people scream. I'll give you even the best example. Houston Astros, sign stealing, electronically, illegally. They were punished by MLB. Do you think, you know, this is, you know, for players purposes, like for me, do you think players see this and they're like, man, if this is my only option, I'll go to the Mets. Or are they like second guessing? Like, honestly, like this is, it's a shit show here, man. What, what should I do? Should I even think about dabbling? Like free agency, there's guys that are out there to go, but they see all this crap going on. You know what I mean? Todd, my feeling in free agency, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, guys go where the money is. And if they get the best contract from the Mets, if it's $2 million more than, I don't know, the Red Sox are offering, they're going to go to the Mets. Now, if you have all things equal and you can make a choice, sure, that – the chaos that we're seeing here, I don't know that I call it chaos, but the disarray that we're seeing might come into play. But overall, man, the Angels are as dysfunctional as anyone right now, right? The Padres seem dysfunctional too. If they sign a free agent because they're paying them the most money, then they're going to sign a free agent. That, that's how this generally works. One more on the front office front. Um, Ken, did you, I know you've been busy. Did you happen to catch the a press conference put together by Mr. Jerry Depoto soon after we heard those comments from Cal Raleigh about the Mariners not spending like they should be in the American League West. I am still confused and feel a lack of confidence based on the, what was it, 54 or 56? 54 percent? 54 percent. 87 wins. And, you know, kind of bowing down to them for allowing Mariners fans to go through a little bit more losing before the winning. <laughs> I didn't see the press conference. I certainly read about it. And I even wrote a little bit about it in my column today. 
Jerry Depoto, what he's saying, truly by the math, he's right. You want to win 54% of your games over a long period of time and you put yourself in the best chance to reach the postseason, then you will be in position to win the World Series. But it's the tone and it's the idea that a fan base that has never experienced a World Series title is being told, you should thank us for being patient and going about it this way because, hey, we're doing it for you. We're doing the right thing. Jerry DePone <coughs> has been to one postseason in eight years, and the patience level there is running short among fans, certain fans. I can understand that. And while his comments were not well put, in my opinion, the math, yes, I get that, but, man... It just seemed like there's a disconnect there. A disconnect between what fans are feeling, between what his own players are feeling, I'm referring to Kyle Raleigh, and where they're going. And the other thing about this is, that's an ownership that has spent on extensions. They signed Castillo to an extension. They even signed Robbie Ray in free agency. They haven't gone big in free agency. And what Kyle Raleigh was talking about, Cal Raleigh was talking about was, the Rangers, the team that they're playing, they've spent like 800 million on free agents in the last two or three years. When you lose out to that team in the end, which is what happened with the Mariners, as a player, you're going to want more. And that's not an unreasonable feeling for Cal Raleigh, not an unreasonable feeling for Mariners fans. So that's kind of my reaction to it. I thought the remarks were unfortunate. You talk to a lot of GMs or sources that are in front offices. Do a lot of them talk this way? Do they talk in a, to me, it feels like a mitigating type of, well, you know what, like, we're just going to try our best instead of as a player, you lit, sit there and you go, I'm giving up years of my life. I am giving up. I'm playing pain, you know, through pain for this to make the playoffs. Do a lot of GMs talk this way? The way that Jerry did Let's, actually open out in the open? I was going to say, Eric, not so much openly, but as my colleague Evan Drellick at The Athletic wrote the other day, there is a sustainability fetish in this sport. And you hear it from a number of executives, presidents of baseball operations, general managers. They talk about sustainability and building a sustained contender. Hein Bloom talked about that a lot in Boston. And that's fine. And there's a friend of mine, John Lowe. He is now a writer who has been honored by the Hall of Fame as the BBWA Career Excellence winner. And he used to tell me, you try to win a World Series every year, you don't win a World Series any year. And I understand what he's saying there, but there is an in-between area where you are trying to win a World Series while still trying to be sustainable. And it seems to me too many teams take the easy path, occupy their sustainability fetish, and don't really take the necessary steps toward that final goal. And we all know, guys, the postseason is a crapshoot. And there is a randomness, a luck involved. You get hot, you're not, whatever. But what do fans want? I go back to Evan's column the other day. This is entertainment, man. This is drama. This is what people pay for. They pay to see their teams try as hard as they possibly can. And when those teams don't do that and then make excuses, it doesn't sit well. Uh, last one for me, Ken. We talk about analytics all the time. Um, some people think it's helping the game. Some people think it's too much. In my opinion, I like analytics. Like you wrote, uh, it enlightens the player. It, it shows some things about them, what they need to know. But I think sometimes we take that too literally as well. So, I mean, for example, for me, I was, 
I was having a great year. I was in my last 20 bats. I was batting 500. Next thing you know, I didn't play the next day because I was not hitting so well against the pitcher. When you're hot, you're hot. You leave the guy in, in my opinion. So my question to you is the Barrio situation kind of felt like it was predetermined. He was only going to throw three innings. The guy's facing his team that he played for for a lot of years. They don't take that in consideration. They already had a predetermined. What I mean, he had a really good three innings. Things change. I change things in my nine-year-old baseball league. I mean, that's what happens. That's that's part of baseball. It's part of life. Why do you predetermine those things when a guy is actually doing really well? You can you can change, right? Now, why is it always got to be analytical? Well, I heard Tim Kirkjian on the show yesterday, and I could not put it any better than Tim did. And what Tim was asking people to do generally, teams to do, was to watch the game, react to the game, not predetermined and overscript and those kinds of things. Now, I talked with someone today who said what the Jays actually were trying to do was use Kikuchi at some point in that game to turn the lineup around, right? To force the pinch hitters against the left-handed hitters, get the left-handed hitters out of the game, make them more right-handed for the right-handed arms in their bullpen. That was the plan. It wasn't that it was going to be three innings. I don't know that I believe that entirely, but at the same time, even that idea, I had someone point this out to me this morning, someone else in baseball, that Kikuchi, he's not a guy that comes in in dirty innings. He's a starting pitcher. When I say dirty innings, I mean with runners on base. So why not put a left-handed reliever in that spot? Have him get out of the inning, and then you've got Kikuchi later. There are all kinds of ways we can debate this, but essence of what I wrote today is simply that the game should determine what is going on, not the numbers. And you use the numbers. We all want the information. The information is amazing. We know more today about performance and player performance than we've ever known. And players appreciate it in many ways because they use the technology, they use the data to get better. Brent Rooker had a Twitter thread about that this week. It was really thoughtful and well said by him. There has to be a balance, and teams talk about balance. Oh, yes, we balance everything, the subjective and the objective. They don't act like they balance it. They generally, not all, some, go one way, and that's where the problem comes in. There has to be feel for what is going on in the field. That was what I wrote today. My first three words today, bring back feel. Yeah, you're right, and I'm, I'm worried, like, especially John Schneider, I mean, you know, I don't know him super well, but probably going over that with a bunch of people and if he just decided screw it I'm gonna leave Barrios in and he gives up a two-run homer they like might fire him in the offseason you know because clearly it's well, not just him who, making that call right and we don't know exactly who is making the decision I got a text from somebody this morning saying hey the next time something like this happens put the guy who recommended that and was really responsible for that action the lifting of Barrios put him up in the press conference and not Schneider Schneider, like all managers, has to be the spokesman, has to take the hit. We all know that's not necessarily fair. And uh, now we can switch them back, by the way, to Paper Tigers again, because they went from Paper Tigers to Blue Jays. Back to Paper Tigers if you've been following We offered them the chance to change, to change our minds to prove me wrong. And, you know, <laughs> uh, Ken, big, big question. Your boy Tim brought something up, and I honestly had no idea. Can I call you Junior, or is this just a Tim Kirkchin thing? Because the way he said he calls you Junior, and the way he smiled about it, and the way you're smiling about it, 
it, it, like it makes me feel like I'm on the outside looking in, and I just want to know where our friendship is. <laughs> no, our friendship's good. Um, so when I started at the Baltimore Evening Sun, may it rest in peace, in 1987, I was 24 years old. Tim was probably about 30. Richard Justice was on the beat as well. He maybe was a little older than both of us. I was quite young, quite green. If you want to use the word clueless, that would probably be fitting too. And they called me junior for a couple of reasons. One, because I was so young. And also, there was, at that time, maybe a slight, slight resemblance between me and Cal Ripken Jr. Not in the physical frame, but maybe facially. And Cal Ripken Sr. was the manager at the time. Cal Ripken Sr. was one of the most grizzled guys ever. I love him. He was really very fair with me and patient with me. And I always wanted to say, hey, Cal, everybody says I look like Junior. Maybe you're my dad. But I never had the guts to say <laughs> that's, why, that's why people call me Junior. And it's, it's people who I worked with back then. I competed against him. He crushed me every single day. And it, yes, even today, some people call me that. People who knew me back in the late 80s. That's good. That is really good. That this is great. Real, I know we got to go. Does Bill Ripken know that story? Oh, I the, the story about me wanting to ask his dad that? No. Yeah. I've never told Bill that either. He'd probably <laughs> like that. Cal that. He yeah. probably would like that. But I mean, I could imagine if I had asked Cal Ripken Sr., he would have taken one look at me. He knows I didn't play past like T-ball. And he would have said, <laughs> you would not have been my son. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. So, I love you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Junior, thank you. Have a great series, and we'll see you next week, Tuesday, on Fair Territory, right? Yes. It'll be Perfect. Tuesday this week due to travel arrangements. Yes. Awesome. Can't wait. Ken, thank you so much. We're looking ahead. Let's hit another series. Twins, Astros. Now, this one was interesting to me. So, obviously, they faced each other this year, and then Twins won four of six. I don't take much into regular season series. Like, remember, we went over Marlins, Phillies. I got to go back and do the homework also. I mean, Marlins were missing their best starters. So on this front, Minnesota hasn't faced Verlander, Framber, or Christian Javier so far this year. Uh Yeah, crazy. So as a player also, when you're heading into a series like that, does that matter to you? Like, what's the muscle memory status? If you were like, yo, I saw JV this year, no matter what, if you got a hit or even if you didn't, you're like, all right, I I feel like, you know, I at least got to see him this year as a complete crap and doesn't mean anything it means a lot especially for me a guy that never played if i'm facing a guy in the playoffs that i've actually faced that means a lot you can look at all the video you want and this is why bench players will never get the same stats as starters they'll never be able to get those numbers because it's just so hard to consistently not see somebody and then go in there and pitchers are too good and get in there and get get have success. So yeah, absolutely. That's a big thing. And I think the four out of the six wins is a bigger deal out of the division than in the division. So you talked about the Phillies Marlins. Mm-hmm. It was uh seven to six. I think the Marlins won seven games. Inner division games are going to be just back and forth, back and forth. When you're out of the division, you just don't have the same amount of information as you do for your inner division guys. And most of that comes down to exactly what you just said. You haven't seen these guys or you have seen the pitchers. You can face dude back-to-back starts and you, you know, you might face Verlander and then you go to the, you go somewhere else on the road and you come back to, and then you go to Houston, you face Verlander again 
That's why you see guys' strikeout numbers go down the second time because they're just you're giving more information to the hitters. And I'll leave it at this. Regular season Verlander is totally different than playoff oh. Verlander. Regular season Valdez. Regular season uh, Christian Javier. You know what I mean? Like, these guys have been there before. Look at Evaldi. Look at what Evaldi did. Oof. Well, then, to hey, me, bro. they're not trying in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stirring the pot. Hey, listen. Well, why are they different? Because it's electric. It's, it's something just clicks. When you're, in, when you're a professional athlete and you are good at what you do in one aspect of it, and now it's blown up 10 times out of proportion, all of a sudden it's like, zoom, I can lock in even more. It, it's hard to explain. The good athletes turn into great, and the average athletes turn into good. Like, it, it's hard to explain. The way, the, way, the way I explain it, it's my Josh Tolley theory. T-hole. Like, an absolute gem of a person. We were hanging out with Roy Halladay. He goes, hey, seven for nine against him, or seven for 13 against him. I was like, wow. I was like, that's legit. Yeah. I go, I bet there's no RBIs on that ledger. He's like, What? No chance. We went in there. It was before a game. He goes, oh, dang it. Good pitchers change what they do in big situations. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're not trying. Never. It just means when you get a guy on base, you're going to see the best pitchers, they're dialing it up. up. You Darvish, when he was the man, that breaking ball was completely different than the one you saw, even in a 2-2 count with nobody on. And so that's what you're seeing, and that's what experience level, and that's what, yes, the playoffs, they give you just that, they give you that superpower, and it's, it's something that's awesome. Let me finish this. You're going to see maybe a Verlander, you know, get second and third, one out or, or less than two mm-hmm. outs. He's going to get a strikeout. He's going to get a pop, and you're going to see two or three times, they're going to look back in the game like, damn it, if only I hit a ground ball to shortstop. Nope, I struck out that bump. Because these guys just step it up and they'll win those games three to two. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. Just yes or no. <coughs> Do the Twins have a chance? Yes. No. Uh, I'm not going to answer. I don't feel like it. No, I'll answer. <laughs> I, 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 don't, uh, I don't think so. I think they have a chance. But yes. I think it's, it's pretty slight. Um, but they have a chance. I want to see Carlos Correa go off against his old team. Let's do our BetMGM locks. We have a huge weekend of ball. Like These aren't going to be our official locks because we don't have a game today. We're still waiting on probables and all that. So we'll get back to the official official for the money bags on Monday. And also want to throw this out there for your 1500 first bet offer, $1,500 first bet offer. Uh, you use the code FAL when you download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com for new users. You sign up and deposit at least 10 bucks into your account and place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your bet loses. And if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your wager is settled. And once you've placed a qualifying bet, um, that's when all the magic happens. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so unofficial, but obviously official. Like, I still expect you to throw down on it. But what are you looking at this weekend? You got a lock? I'm going somewhere. You, you'll never guess where I'm going. Hmm. And I wrote it in there, and nobody read the rundown. So I'm, if you're sarcastic, then you're the going rundown. to the Phillies game. No. You're going to a different game. I'm going to a different game. Diamondbacks? I'm going to the Arizona um, – no, not Arizona. Astros-Twins game. And? You're Don Alvarez for a, for a walk, plus 105. Wow. Plus 105? 
Oh, look at your look at look at you. You're taking you're taking those fifteen hundred dollar mm. bonus bets and thinking about putting it down, aren't <laughs> that you? That includes intentional. Mm. Yes, it does. Continue. It's um, a good call. I like that. I'm telling that for sure. I will post that. I'm riding the wave here. I'm going Philly underdogs on the road money mm. line. I think it's like plus one eighty. No, plus one sixty. Last I checked. Yeah, minus line, minus two hundred. Philly's on the road. When you're hot, you're hot. I'm gonna ride the wave. Ride the wave. Wow. That was for Eric too as well. So appreciate they you. take down Spencer Strider. Appreciation station. No, it's going to be an under for the first five innings, but they oh, win this, the game. This guy's on a roll. He's. T- I made my pick, and now he said no. You cut it, cut it out. No, 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 he's, no, 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 no. No, what? I'm saying runs are going to complimenting. Be, he asked. Pick. He asked. He asked if they're going to take down Strider. No, I don't think they're going to take down Strider. They're going to take gonna down take their bullpen. Down. No, they're going to take him down. They're going to take Strider down. Down the funky so? town, baby. Really. I, 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 I'm riding the wave, bro. Stick with the money line. Stick with the money line. I, I That's didn't it. say I wasn't changing. I'm yep. saying they're going to get to him. No. Oh, first five. Oof. If you take them first five, it's I probably love, even more steep, right? I love first five. That would go. Philly's first five would be wild. Yeah, that'd be big monies. For me, I'm going to say the Diamondbacks take game one. I think Clayton's, you know, still a little bit hurt. He's, he's reaching for it. I know the offense is good on the LA side, but I think the Diamondbacks have a little punch. By the way, Adam Jones was on the show yesterday, and then soon after the show, he caught that tweet with the Fangraphs projections. <laughs> the, the Orioles and the Fangraphs yeah. projections are just epic. And it's really just like good content at this point, but the projections didn't have the Orioles doing much damage this year in the regular season. And Brandon Hyde acknowledged that and put a little bulletin board material together for it. So now, fast forward to the postseason, and guess which team they say has the lowest percentage chance of winning the World Series? O's. The O's, yeah. the O's and Stroh's and Natty Bows. So <laughs> Adam's pissed, okay? Um, we'll show the tweet a little bit later on, but he just said, I'll say it. He said, let's slap them fan graphs, slap dicks in the face yet again. <laughs> Very Adam line. We don't, we don't drop Homer enough on him. We should drop uh, more right. Homer on him. You're right. We should. Yeah, you're He's right. very Homer. He is very Homer. Yeah. He doesn't shy from it, though. But no, I love it. I love is. Homerism. I love Homerism in the playoffs. You got some Homer in you. Yeah, but I got, I got two main teams. Yeah, true. <laughs> Let's slap. guys stepbrothers relax uh our amp caller is on the line name team question or comment what do you got i got let's fast forward a week a week or so from now and the phillies are in the nlcs why are they there is it a phillies thing is it a braves thing why would they advance a week or so from now and your name though what we get a name we don't have a name you forget your name Seth? seth thank you seth appreciate it dude why are you fast forwarding? Fast forward. Dang it. Don't fast forward through a great series. <laughs> Let's enjoy well, well, it. I like to do this, right? In the, one of the few things that didn't feel totally fake always with TV life. Like Braves are in the NLCS because blank. Phillies are in the NLCS because blank. Like what's got to happen in your mind? Like if this doesn't happen, they're not getting past Team X. Whoever's bullpen has the lowest ERA goes to the NLCS. Really? The Braves are going to hit. The Phillies are going to hit. Maybe not quite as much as the Braves. Obviously, if they win, it's going to be because 
you know, they hit a little bit more. They score more runs, but I think it's going to be off the bullpens. Mm-hmm. It, it's so hard to tell because the Braves are so locked in this year. Hitting. I mean, you make a good point about bullpens. I, I think it's going to be starting pitching. I, 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 if the Phillies can do what they did these last couple games, I, I think they're going to they're going to win, and very convincingly. I, I, really? I think it's going to be Philadelphia or, or nothing. Now, I mean, I just in how many games from from what I saw, no more than oh, man four don't. or five. It's not a sweep. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say five. So you think it'll go That's the all. distance? I take that back. It's best out of five. Why? Why am I thinking it's best out of seven? Not yet. Best out of five. NLCS. No, no, I'm. I'm saying four. Four. Okay. You're afraid of Philly. You're afraid of them playing in Philly. You talked yeah. about it. The yeah. One. Yeah. Well, That's... and then it ends there, and it doesn't go back. That's what he's saying. They, they're gonna, they just, all they have to do is win one in Atlanta. Right. And then you think they got two in Philly with Wheeler and Nola. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, one's in. Atlanta, obviously. Wheeler's I think, in Atlanta I think the swing Philly. game is going to be the Nola game. Mm-hmm. How he does against the Braves. I've seen some outings where he has punched out the world. I think his career high was against the Braves. Mm-hmm. So I he think was that's great the other be... day, but not not on the case. I mean, he had I think three K's. No. Yeah, but that's a tough team to strike. Yeah, out. it's a the contact. Team. Don't strike out much, mm. which is crazy. They used to strike out a ton. Yeah. I mean, Luis Arise shows up, and all of a sudden, everyone knows how to make contact there. Just saying. Who in that trade is still Join in at, the playoffs? Follow at Foul Territory if you want to make a call like that. What? Who in that trade is still in the playoffs? So who won the trade? Is that what we're basing things on? So does Shohei Otani suck because he's never in the playoffs? But he wasn't in a trade. Oh, so we're going to play that, though? So I can just pick players <laughs> that ended up in trades and are not in the playoffs. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, you can. But in this case, who won the trade? Yeah, I think it's still pretty even. Even. I've got a hat for Kratz hats. It's even. Yes. It's a Merca. We're going into the weekend, playoff weekend. I found another Merca hat. Jose and Jose B. There you go. Happy playoff season, everyone. Um, National League and American League Division Series going down this weekend. We'll be watching. Stay tuned also for some news on our socials about some extra coverage next week of games. Maybe a watch party. Maybe a post-game show or two. Stay tuned. Maybe a little FT at night. We'll see you on Monday. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.